It is Monday, the 13th of September, 2021. We're going to talk about Action Lab, kids. Action Lab comics, past, present, and future. Because you're listening to the Handsome Genius Club Radio Show. Hey kids, welcome to the show. My name is Kingdom, Anthony Kingdom James, a.k.a. Anthony Rutgazer. And it's mostly Anthony Rutgazer who's going to be speaking to you today as we talk about Action Lab Entertainment, Action Lab Comics, whichever you wish to call them, and the complete and utter meltdown that is happening with this company right now. It's not the first time that the internet, that Twitter has um, taken issue with Action Lab, but it has certainly it has certainly not done so in so big a way before. Action Lab got nominated for Best Kids Comic Slash Graphic Novel by the Ringo Awards, the uh, comic book industry awards named after the late artist Mike Waringo. And... For the first time since uh, New Year's Eve 2020, Action Lab's Twitter account sprang to life and they retweeted the, um, the announcement of the nomination from the Ringo Awards Twitter feed. This set off a firestorm as creators who had not been able to get a hold of anybody from the company or who did get a hold of people from the company and were were just kind of brushed off. Um, creators who had books coming out over the last year and a half from a company that was doing absolutely no PR for them. Uh, took to Twitter to voice their ire, to voice their displeasure. Um, one of the creators in particular, uh, is named Jared Lujan. And Jared, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Jared has a book that has been uh, signed to Action Lab for a while now called Crash and Troy. Action Lab has failed to meet four release dates for Crash and Troy. And um, Jared, on August 30th, tweeted, I, for one, am glad to see that Action Lab is capable of using their Twitter account to brag about Ringo nominations, but not to promote their books or address why none of them have come out. Four release dates. That have come and gone. And uh, as more and more creators um, decided this was the time to to voice their, their displeasure, uh, a movement has started that w- of, of creators who want their rights back. I'm one of those creators. Um, my book... The first hero, which came out in 2000, volumes in 2014, 15, and 16. And I participated in uh, the Actionverse crossover in between volumes two and three. Um, 
my rights are for volumes one and two are stuck at Action Lab. And I'm going to talk more about that a little later on. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you my whole sordid tale. But I didn't want to just talk about um, this moment with Action Lab. I wanted to go back to the beginnings of the company, find out how it was formed, find out where it went wrong. So we're going to talk to a few people today. We're going to talk to Sean Pryor, who was the original president of Action Lab Comics. He was one of the founding members of the company. We're going to find out why the company, how the company came to be, why Sean left, why a few years later he returned, and why in 2020 he left again. We're going to talk to Jeremy Whitley, the creator of Princeless and its spin-off book, Raven, Pirate Princess. Um, that book is parked at Action Lab. Does he really still want it to be there? We'll talk to Jeremy about how Princeless ended up at Action Lab and what he would like to see for the future. We're going to talk to John Perez, the writer of Archon, and uh, how wanting to be published uh, set him in a financial hole that he might now just have to walk away from. And we're going to talk to Mike Kingston, who has never worked for Action Lab, but he has spent the past decade self-publishing his series, Headlock, the wrestling comic. And uh, we're going to talk about that desire for new creators, for young creators, for rookie creators, because I certainly wasn't young when my first book was published. I was 43. Um, we're going to talk about that desire by new creators to be published by a company and uh, why maybe people should really think twice about it. And in there, I'm going to take a segment for myself. I'm going to tell you my whole sordid tale with the company. But first, let's talk to Sean Pryor. What's good, everybody? My name is Sean Pryor. I am the co-creator and co-writer of Cash and Carry for Action Lab Entertainment. I also written a couple, written and co-created a couple of the books at Action Lab, and also I am one of the original co-founders of Action Lab. Mr. Pryor, you are the uh, eldest member of the uh, Action Lab family that I'm speaking to for this. And I mean, in terms of uh, when you joined the company as one of the founders, how how did Action Lab come to be? Yeah. Okay. So we got to roll back the clock. Um, many, many moons ago, uh, myself, Dave DeWanch, Sean Gabrin, and uh, Chad Ciccone, we like decided one time to just like, we wanted to go to Heroes Con, okay? And we were all independent creators doing our own thing. And, you know, we would check in on each other's projects. Sometimes we'd work together on stuff like, like one of my original like independent creations like Dave and Chad did some work on and then like Sean Gabbard would do a project and like we might chip in and do something with him with Sean Gabbard and so forth and so forth. One year we decided to go to uh, we decided to go to Heroes Con and we were like okay well instead of buying like instead of like, all of us trying to get a table and spend all this money why don't we just pull our resources together and get a nice booth mm -hmm. and then we can all share the space 
save some money and, you know, and back each other up. He's like, okay, cool, bet. Fantastic show. Best time ever. So then we're like, okay, we're definitely doing this show again. So then the following year we go, but, you know, we're all at separate tables. And the show was a complete disaster for all of us. Mm. And by that time, we had been doing like comics, like independently for probably like about almost two and a half, three years. And like, you know, we were, we felt that we were, you know, progressing well. But like that show felt like a regression and a stall moment. And it's like, okay, each of us as individuals are exhausting all, exhausting ourselves so much. How can we advance and move forward and move further? Okay, you know what? Let's team up. Let's form a comic book publishing company. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so, and so, you know, Dave was like, we'll form a company. We'll call it Action Lab. Uh, I think Dave came up with the name, if I remember correctly. Dave came up with the name and the original logo. And then the first thing we did was, um, we worked with at the time DC, DCBS, DC, uh, Discount Comic Book Service, and because uh, Dave had a graphic novel about time travel, mm -hmm. which was uh, which was fantastic back in the day, that uh, he uh, that with art by Daniel Logan, and like he found a place that had like a good printing that had decent printing costs, you know, mm -hmm. and so we did our very first book was through DCB Service, and. Um, and we did that just to see how things would go. And it did all right. You know, it did good. Yeah. So Chad's like, okay, if we want to get into Diamond, if we really want to do things, try to build an infrastructure, um, Chad knew Brian too. He said, let me, let me bring, bring Brian in and let's see if we can, you know, push this further. What, what, what was the point of bringing in Brian? Like, why, why did he money. push the idea of bringing Brian in? Because we had no money. We uh, were broke. Okay. Um, we were broke and, you know, Chad's like, you know, Brian's got business experience and all this other stuff. And we were like, oh, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is somebody that can put money into the company. Okay, cool. Fine. All right, great. Okay. You know, that's, cause that's how we looked at it, you know. So, so like, you know, we had a meeting and the first thing Brian said, like, hey, where's your business plan? And I was like, huh. And everybody was like, hey, Sean, you gonna do a business plan? And I was like, whoop, I guess I am, huh? <laughs> so, um, so I built the business plan. I built the original business plan for Action Lab Entertainment, mm -hmm. and uh, and I presented it. I presented it to to to, to the team. I presented it to Brian. Brian's like, "Yeah, this looks good." So he's like, "Okay, this is what you're. This is what we're going to do." And you know, they started discussing things like you know we'll have shares of the company and all this other stuff. And so the very first. The very first Kickstarter we ever did for Action Lab, where we ever did for Action Lab was for Fracture Issue 1, which I spearheaded and launched and ran and went to like all the podcasts about it. Um, and also arranged, you know, podcasts with, you know, for artist Chad Ciccone and, and writer Sean Gabbard and editor Dave to watch. We raised the money, went, you know, we went over, we won, you know, it was like, hey, we, you know, had the books printed, sent out all the rewards everybody was having. So then from there, you know, it became the start of trying to get the books into Diamond. And we got Fracture into Diamond and then Princeless in its, you know, Princeless in, in our first year as a publisher, Princeless got nominated for an Eisner, you know. And at that time, my role as president was I was the Diamond liaison. I ordered the paper for the printer. 
Um, I was also dealing with all the digital stuff, build the, the publishing schedule for like the next 24 months. I worked on that with days and also running the social media back then, like 2009, 2010 for Action Lab at that time, which meant Facebook, which also meant Twitter. Okay. So like only thing I'm not doing, I'm not editing books. I'm not building ads for, for previews. And I'm not on the selection committee as to what gets printed and what doesn't. Right. Besides that, I'm also handling the books, too. In the beginning, I handled the books. The mm-hmm. first year and a half, I handled the books. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't like we were spending that much money because, one, we didn't have that much money to begin with. So, um, so like, you know, I had a lot of responsibility on my shoulders for, like, the first um, first year and a half. Yeah. Shit kind of got sideways. When we were fighting with Diamond a lot, because Diamond messed up a lot of stuff for us in the beginning. They did. Fight, fighting with it, them, it was what like were a, they messing up? Books, you know, delay shipments on books, or like, there would be things that we wanted to do that other publishers could do, and here's the example. Free Comic Book Day. Right. We wanted to get into Free Comic Book Day so bad in the beginning, you know, and, and like every time they were like, well, you're not big enough yet. Or, you know, or they would just disregard us when our logic was, well, we can become big if you let us have this outlet. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? Well, fuck it. You know what we're going to do? We're going to do our own free comic book day book. It's going to be a digital free comic book day book. I remember. And it's going to be called, it's going to be called Action Lab Confidential. Yeah. And it was going to have, and it had previews of like every single book we had at the time. Yeah, didn't you okay. end up? Didn't Fantastic. you end up catching heat from uh, from Diamond for doing this? Oh no! Oh, he's not. He's not the word. I call X Pac heat. Okay. Oh, pandering to the wrestler in me. <laughs> yes, yes. I call X Pac heat. And let me explain why I call X X Pac heat. So when I got on the Twitter feeds and I was just like, and even on my feed at the time, my regular Twitter feed, I was like, Hey, action lab is dropping a digital free comic book on free comic book day. And I, and, and like, and we designed the cover. Um, and you know, we put the free comic book day logo on it. And so we didn't think anything of it. Okay. Yeah. We didn't think anything of it. I, I was just like, yeah, I'm just trying to hustle and get our names out there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now what I did now, what I didn't know, my fault, and I can fall on the sword for that, was that the Free Comic Book Day logo is property of, you know, Diamond, okay? Right. That's that's on me. That's on me. So this is what happened. This is what happened. Um, CBR. Somebody from CBR inter- wanted to interview me about Action Lab Confidential and Action Lab, and Action Lab Entertainment. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is going to be great coverage. This is great exposure. This is going to be great for Free Comic Book Day. This is going to, this is going to be great for us as a publisher and this is going to get eyes on us and possibly a shit ton of downloads. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. It's like, let's do this. So I do the interview and you know, and I'm just like, everything's cool. Everything's fine. And then they were like, um, Hey, you know, we in the interview, the guy said, you know, we see the, uh, you know, the diamond logo, the, like the free comic book day logo, this digital free comic book day in association with diamond. And I was just like, no. No, no, no. I was like, that's, you know, I was just like, you know, we just, you know, we use that logo just to let people know that this book will be available digitally on Free Comic Book Day. And so, like, I didn't know I was kind of getting set up. (laughs) So, um, and so then, you know, the interview's over, the interview goes up. 
And hours later, um, I was with my wife when I was married at the time. We're at Target. And my phone starts blowing up. Mm-hmm. Text messages left and right. And Brian Hibbs, you know, from Tilting the Windmills, was furious that, um, you know, how dare we mm-hmm. use the free comic book day logo that's diamond and do a digital book where free comic book day is about the comic book stores and, and, and we're taking money out of people's mouths. And, you know, and apparently we're murdering children and, um, you know, and burning homes. Yeah. And, um, I'm, I'm being a little facetious. Are you? Anyway. Are um, you? <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like he, he, he literally ran us and ran me through the coals and he was yeah. just like, you know, this is about comic book shops. This isn't about digital and they should know better. And I'm going to talk. I'm going to make sure the people at Diamond know about this. And, and this Sean Pryor is just a complete maroon. He did call me a maroon. I remember that. Specific. Wow. Uh, um, Bugs Bunny insult. Nice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, you know, like a couple of steps away from Coon, which he probably oh. wouldn't really wanted to say, but that's another story for another time. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Like, I, like, I get a little bitter about it because it was an honest and sincere mistake. Yeah. Using the free comic book day logo. And then like what happened was he's like, well, I'm going to make sure I tell Diamond. I'll make sure that this never happens again. Blah, blah, blah. So then like a couple days later. So then what happened was after that article, after his rebuttal dropped, mm-hmm. there's a, like there's an emergency meeting. Like I said, I just kept getting texted left and right from people. It's like, Hey, did you see what happened? Did you see what he said about you? Did you see what he said about actual lab? And I was like, whoa, 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 what's going on? So I read and I'm just like, great. We just alienated the guy that always talks about all the comic shops and knows everything about publishing and knows everything about numbers. We, we've, we've, I, I pissed off that guy. Yeah. And I'm just like, great. So then there's an emergency meeting. And, and like, you know, and everybody's like, well, we gotta apologize. We gotta apologize. We have to apologize. We have to apologize. We have to apologize. And I was like, I was like, you know what? I said it was an honest mistake. And to be honest with you, I would have rather appreciated it if the dude just would have contacted us personally and said, listen, I don't know if you're aware of this. I know y'all new to the game, but the Free Comic Book Day logo is property of Diamond. And I would advise you to please remove that from the logo because Free Comic Book Day is about the comic shops and bringing in you know, an economic, you know, um, push to comic shops. Yeah. This is not a digital thing. Now, years later, there are free comic book day, free comic book books, free comic book day books that are available digitally yeah. way later. Mm-hmm. But, but, now if you just would have came to us that way, we'd be like, oh shit, well, we made a mistake. Yo, that's my bad. That's our bad. You know what? We're going to take care of that. Yeah. And it's a, di- instead, it's a digital know, book. It's a digital book. All you have to do is, Edit that file, edit one page of the file, and the logo's gone, right? Yeah, and that's what we did. Yeah. And that's what we did. And so, and so, but they were like, we gotta apologize, we gotta apologize, we gotta apologize. And I was just like, you know what, guys? I was like, let's remove the logo. But I said, I'm not apologizing. Yeah. I said, it was an honest mistake. And I was like, this dude's furious. And I was just like, I, I was like, I get it, but like, I was like, he went a little bit too far. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not apologizing. 
I was like, if y'all want to write an apology letter, that's fine. I was like, but don't put my name on it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was like, but we can still put out Action Lab Confidential um, as a digital free comic book day book. We just removed the logo. And then two days later, Diamond emailed us and was like, oh, we heard that you were having a digital uh, free comic book day book with the Diamond Free Comic Book Day logo. We were informed by someone about that. I was like, yeah, um, we took the logo off. And they're like, oh, okay, cool, no problem. Have a good day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's all it took. And that's all it took. But when that happened, I was just like, you know what, guys? I was like, maybe y'all should find somebody else to be president. Mm-hmm. And that's when we brought in Kevin Freeman. Yeah. And um, and I became VP, and started just doing more stuff on the digital side. I'm still handling a lot of stuff, but just you know. But doing more on the digital side and whatnot, but like, you know, and it was no offense, you know, to anyone. I just, I got burned out. Yeah. You know, I did, I dedicated a lot of time, just like the rest of the crew. I did, we, we dedicated a lot of time and I got burned out and I felt directionless and rudderless. And I was just like, you know what? Maybe for my own well-being, I need to go. And I left. Yeah. But eventually, that was in, 20, that was in 2014. But eventually, mm-hmm. you came back three years later. You ended up coming back to the company. Yeah, yeah. What brought you back yeah, to the company? Sure. What brought me back to the company was in 2015, I did the Cash and Carry Kickstarter, and that really blows up, does really well. But at the same time, like, I was looking for publishers, and I couldn't get anybody to fight. And that really hurt. Because I was just like, this Kickstarter for like, like a single, like a 16 page, like a 20 something page issue. Originally raised like, originally wanted to raise $3,500, ended up raising like over 9300 bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it like, and it made waves, like it made waves. And, um, and like, I remember when that was done, I was like, all right, it's time to hustle and see if anybody's interested. And I, I got to give a shout out to, um, oh God, my head hurts. Uh, Alex, okay. Alex DeCampi. I gotta give a shout out to Alex DeCampi because Alex DeCampi was like, hey, this cash and carry is ready to go. She was like, Image needs to publish a book like this. Mm-hmm. They don't have anything like this. They need to publish um, a book like this. And um, she, I was like, for real? She's like, yeah. She's like, I'm going to introduce you on an email. And she was like, whatever happens after that happens. I was like, well, I, I, thank you. You know, because I didn't expect that. You know, so she introduced me on the email. Had a, we had a digital copy of Cash and Carry. Alex was like, "This book is ready to go. This will be a fantastic series for Image, and imagine it um, later, like as a collection of Cash and Carry stories, and how well it would do in the libraries. Because you know, Image was making, it still is making really good money in the library system mm-hmm. and in the book market. And so she said that, and then I followed up with, you know. You know, good, you know, good afternoon, Eric. My name is Sean Pryor. These are things I've done. This is what Cash Carries about, blah, 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 blah. I hope you enjoy it and I look forward to hearing from you. Never heard from him. Didn't expect to. Yeah. You know, did not expect to. And like, but like, that's the response that I got. Yeah. You know, like, it was a thing of like, you know, I was just like, no, this can work. Please believe. And like, I didn't get any responses and like, it like, it really just sunk me even lower. You know what I mean? And it made me feel even more invisible than I felt the first time I left Action Lab. Either. And I wasn't even with Action Lab at the time. So, 
you know, I was like, no, I'm going to continue to try to do stuff on my own, do stuff on my own. And like, and at the time, like I said, no publisher was thinking about taking on action, taking on cash and carry. Mm-hmm. And then like around in 20, like so around like the end of 2015, you know, like I was just like, well, I was like, oh, if there's nowhere else I can go. I guess I can always take it to action lab. <laughs> so that's, that's, that. Because I was like, and I don't mean that to be derogatory. No, I, I understand. I understand because I I've been in that yeah. position. I have had the quick conversation with Eric Stevenson that turned into me emailing him and not getting a reply, and I've had the um, I've had the notion that uh, there is a fallback position with Action Lab. Cash and Carry ends up. At Action Lab, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how do you end up uh, as part of the office again? Again? Yeah, it's 2017. I was at Emerald City Comic Con. Um, you know, I had, uh, you know, I had like, I still had like a single issue, Cash and Carry. Um, I had like another like little small little independent book called Motherless Creatures. It was a single issue book that I did with Tristina Bowling. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know what? Let me just see what I can do out here. You know, I you know, so everybody was always was always told me about Emerald City, and how great it is. And I was like, yeah, people want to buy stuff, buy books. So I'm like, hey, well, let me try it. So they were buying books. And it was great. Mm-hmm. And Action Lab was there. I didn't know that, you know, because I knew Dave was there, and because uh, he had a table and some other, you know, Action Lab cats that had a book to Action Lab that were there and everything. Cool, fine. But then, um, you know, Action Lab was like on another floor, and Brian came up. And he was like, "Hey, let's talk." And I was just like, I "Was like, what's on your mind?" Yeah. And he was like, "I want you to come back to Action Lab." And I started laughing. Like I started laughing. I was like, <laughs> "Like you got to be kidding!" I was like, "Are you serious?" He's like, no, 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 hear me out, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. And he, you know, he said he was like, "Listen, we gave you a lot of responsibility for the first time. Around. Too much responsibility." He's like, I understand why you laugh. He was like, let's do it a little bit different this time. He said, what we'll do is you'll be president of creative relations. So basically, if a creator has a problem, if they don't go to the editors, they go to you. Mm-hmm. You find out, you try to, and you, you try to get answers. I was like, that's it? He's like, yeah. He's like, we'll pay you for it. He's like, well, this is how we'll pay you. Now, once again, it's 2017. I feel, I continue to feel invisible in the comic book world, direct market world. And I feel like that there's nowhere else for me to go. And that, and this is where comics really fucks up a lot of people. Comics will have you believing that that is the only place you're supposed to be because if you concentrate your time or effort anywhere else, comics won't allow you to, they won't allow you to be great. Mm. Comics, like, for real, like, comics really, like, and that's the, and that's the thing I, I had to learn and I finally realized now is that, like, you can, like, work in multiple fields and be fine. But, like, don't pull all your money, all your resources, and all your talent in one area, okay? Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Get multiple income streams is a fantastic thing. Because at that time, comics was giving me a zero, <laughs> a zero, in, you know, income stream, okay? Like, absolute zero income stream. So, but, he, but what Brian said was like, okay, you work X amount of hours a week. Well, and like, your rate is X amount of hour, and we'll apply that as a credit. Mm-hmm. Now, you can take that credit and say, for instance, if you want to create a book, you'll just have said artist 
reach out to Action Lab and say, hey, here's an invoice. I'm working on something with Sean, and you take it out of that balance. Yeah. Now, coming from someone who, A, feels that, like, okay, like, I can't get any inroads in comics and um, and whatnot, I was like, well, this is going to, well, again, you know what, this is going to help me get stuff made. Mm-hmm. And, like, and that's why I went, and that's why I went back the second time, because, like, once again, it's like comics... The air of comics just made me feel so invisible. I felt like I had nowhere else to go. And it's like, well, I'll just prove, I'll prove all of them wrong. Prove all of them wrong. We'll do this and we'll make this right and we'll get this company, which at the time, still in 2017, was doing really good. And we'll, we'll push it further and we're going to fix things and we're going to do all these things. And, um, and like, you know, once again, like I, I just didn't, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe in myself because comics really beat the shit out of me. You know, like it's, it's funny how like, <laughs> it's funny, it's funny how like, you know, some of these like white dudes in comics, like back in the day, treated folks that didn't look like them. Yeah. Like, you know, I would introduce myself and be like, hi, I'm Sean Pryor, president of Action Lab Entertainment. They'd be like, oh, oh, I know Action Lab. Yeah, I know Action Lab. You know, I don't ever see your guys' books anywhere. Mm. Or they say stuff like, who are you? Why are you here? Are you sure you're in the right place? I I went back. I was able to make some books. Um, Force got, got Glyph nominated, which is great. Yeah. Um, but like, um, I began to take on I began to take on more responsibility mm-hmm. and um, you know, which, you know, because like the way I am, I'm like, yo, I want us to succeed. I want the company to succeed. I want, I want creators to succeed. Yeah. And um, you know, and I'm taking on more responsibilities and then like my, my personal health started to take a toll, um, you know, and then like I had some family members that had some health issues and I was like, I need to go take care of them. And then um, I, uh, then, like, you know, I just kept trying to fix things, just kept trying to, like, kept trying to do the, you know, make sure, do my best to do the right thing while also, but I wasn't taking care of myself, you know, because I still have a nine to five. I still have a nine to five. And, um, and like, personally, my health just got predominantly worse and worse. And toward the end, um, and I had mentioned this on a, um, on a Twitter thread that, um, I, you know, I got home from work. And I went to my office here at my house and I was like, you know what, let me answer some action lab emails. Let me see what I can do. And when I went to go click on the email, I blacked out. Mm. I woke up five hours later. Uh, my heart was racing like a sports car. And I was just like, you know what? I think it's time to go. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I let them know that, that, uh, February the 1st, 2020 was going to be my last thing it was. Yeah. Because the thing you got to realize about my time with Action Lab, I never put myself first, ever. I was all, always took, made sure to take care of every creator I could. Sometimes, some things were better than others. And some days that was a thankless job. Mm-hmm. And I would get cussed out by, and I would get cussed out by folks that literally their book only sold a hundred copies. Yeah. <laughs> So you end up leaving yeah. Action Lab again, and uh, over the last over the last week now, um, 
there's been just a maelstrom of uh, of creators who have uh, produced books through Action Lab, who have come out online to voice what, at the very least, we can call displeasure with yeah. their contracts, uh, with uh, scheduling, with um, with payments, with a, a, a mm-hmm. host a host of complaints, and yeah. considering you know you how integral you were to the company at its uh, at its beginning uh the fact that when you came back your initial title your initial uh bailiwick was going to be um dealing with those creators and their complaints when you yeah. see everything that's being said the last few days what is what is your reaction my reaction is not like so a lot of that stuff I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't mean that to be to joke. I mean yeah. that in a sense of I'm like, okay, I can't see fuck on here. This creator here, okay, I was already gone by the time that creator signed a contract. And I'm like, Oh, this creator here, okay. That creator put had their book when signed their book when I left the first time. Okay. This guy here, okay, that's that's a digital that's a digital contract. I understand why they're upset. Fine, I get it. Yeah. I more than get it. Get your stuff back. You know, like to like toward like the toward the end of my run. You know, like one thing I would tell creators. So I'm real, I try my best to be as honest as possible. And I would tell creators the ones that got the digital deals, because like the word on like the way this was this was all working was was that if your book did well enough digitally, they would consider a small print run. Mm-hmm. You know, like a collection. You know, like uh, kind of like a trade and do a small print run. Mm-hmm. But what I would tell creators is, I was like, listen, I was like, I need y'all to understand something. I was like, if you have, like, this is like, so during my, my run from like 2017 to like 20, to uh, uh, February 1st, 2020, I would tell them, I was like, if you have an action lab book, I was like, we got two lines. I was like, actually, then three, because Discover was the kid kids line. Um, I said, if you have a danger zone book, if you have an action lab book, or you have a Discover or Discovery book, Danger Zone books are always going to sell, mm-hmm. um, or they'll, or at least they'll move a little bit. They'll like go from like a little bit to they'll really move. Discover, uh, I was like, that's really more for the book market. That's still a very experimental label. Not really sure how that's going to go. But I said Action Lab, main Action Lab books. I was like, listen, I'm telling you something right now. I see the numbers, and honestly, one out of every seven Action Action Lab titles actually sell. One out of every seven titles. Yeah. And you're saying, when you say they, when you say sell, uh, I'm going to assume you mean at least breaks even or, or does well. Um, I would say personally, I would say like between one out of every five, one out of every seven. What I mean by that is, is that that book sold at least like 1,700 to 2,000 copies first issue. Because uh-huh. one thing with Action Lab is is that unless it was like a Danger Zone title like Zombie Tramp, um, there was the law of diminishing returns. Right. So you could have a first issue, like if you had Action Lab book with a first issue that sold like anywhere between 1,700 to 2,000 copies. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your drop-off going to be? Oh, drop-off would, would be massive. 
would be massive, like about 500 copies. That's why there was a period of time where, and this is what a lot of people forget about, there's a period of time where, like, uh, and then you may remember this, when, like, yeah. every single Action Lab and Action Lab Danger Zone book had, like, four or five variant covers. Yeah. That was the, that's to boost the numbers. Right. That's to boost the sales numbers. And sometimes that worked, and sometimes it really didn't. Right. But you're, you know? you're, you're saying that, you're saying that, uh, that the numbers on a second issue could drop off in the neighborhood of 75%. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now with Force, here's a perfect example. I'll use my book. I'll use my book, for example. Force. Force issue one, if I recall correctly, sold, like, I want to say a little over a 1,000 copies. Okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say about 1,100. Yeah. Okay? And I was like, hey, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Like, it's a, it's a sports book. I was like, this, this isn't bad. Like, manga blows this shit through the water. But, like, I was like, 1100 for 1100 copies. I was like, that's not bad. Um, then issue two came around. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was pushing it. And, like, I was, I was pushing, like, on my, on my own, uh, on my own Twitter feed. And I had, like, a website for it, too, at the time. Yeah. Trying to push it out to as many people as possible, get the word out as much as possible. That second issue sold 300 copies. Damn. Yeah. So now, again, somewhere in the neighborhood I, of oh, 70, 72% drop off between issues one right. and two. And that, and that would happen with certain action lab books. But see, sometimes though, the trade sales could make up for lack of single issue sales after issue one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sometimes, you know, but at the same time, like I understand where these creators are coming from. I get it. If you don't have the, if you're not getting the information that you need, you got every right to be upset. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, and I hope, and I'm afraid, I sincerely and utterly hope that these cats are able to get their stuff back yeah. and they're able to work stuff out. You know, like I, you know, I really, I really hope that, you know, cause like, <sighs> that company, like say, Action Lab was started with the best of intention. Mm-hmm. You know, like, People don't really understand, and I'm not trying to make this like a me, me, me thing, and I, and I want to make that clear because we all busted our asses. Myself, Dave, John Gabrin, you know, uh, Nicole, yeah. um, Jeremy during his time there, Jamal Igo during his time there, you know, Jason, we, you know, we busted our asses. You know, but my thing is, is that like, I just remember 2009 to 2011, 2012, like, being everywhere for that. Yeah. For Action Lab. Yeah. Like, grind, like, like, it was, it was the be all end all. And I was just like, no, we're going to prove everybody out how fucking awesome we are. And we're going to make this work. And, um, and I just remember just walking away from it feeling just defeated. Yeah. You, um, um you, you know, you have titles that are still under Action Labs purview that they have rights to. Um, yeah, we're working it out. We're trying to work it out. It's all good. Like, okay. it was, and here's the thing, and I and like and for and for me, it's a thing of like I've got cash and carry mean a lot to me. Force mean a lot to me. Yeah, a lot to me. Yeah, but I I I want people listening to this to know that. Regardless of what, uh, title you may have held, 
regardless of what responsibilities you may have had, you're still in the exact same boat as the rest of us in that you have properties that were published through Action Lab that mean something to you, that you hold dear, and, you know, you don't have control over those properties. In the end, it'll be all right. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll be all right, no matter what happens. You know, but it is what it is. And like I said, I've made peace with it. I have, because I've had to learn how to make peace with it, because if I didn't, it would just eat at me until... I'll be back in a situation where I just black out and wake up again five hours later like, huh? You know, you know, what's going on? With all said and done at this point, what's your path forward for comics? And what is your recommendation to, uh, to newcomers to the industry who might have that brilliant project that they want to get out there and they think that finding a publisher is the one and only way to do that. Man, like there's so many options now. Like kicks, like there's so many different crowdfunding sources to like, you know, fund to get your comics up and running. I always tell people nowadays start small. Like if, if you're new to this and you want to do a comic, yo man, put the 160 page graphic novel away. That's your first, let your first project be small. Something like 12 to 16 pages. Prove to people that you can that you can write it, that you can make a story and put a story together first before you try to write the great American graphic novel uh-huh. or the great world graphic novel. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, start small first and foremost. Uh, now the next thing I'd say, crowdfunding is a fantastic way to get your books made. Once again, with crowdfunding, also start small. Um, you know, start small, and like I don't, and I don't mean that as as to say be small. There's a difference between being small and starting small. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's two different things. Just start small. Also, um, with things like line webtoon, tapas, and, um, and stuff like that, you can put out comics there. Um, you know, a lot of people have built careers off of webtoon. People have built careers off of tapas. Now, you know, um, you know, cause like those, those sites make money and, uh, a lot of, they generate a lot of rephrase that it's going to rate a lot of revenue mm-hmm. so you know now you can put out stories your way the way you want on sites like that and build an audience that way too um you know like uh and i also say like the power of community is something that's very important because nobody does this in a vacuum okay no one does this in a vacuum the power of community is what is a wonderful beautiful thing because communities help you grow not only as an individual, not only as a creative, but, you know, it helps everyone around you. You all grow together. Um, you know, like publishers come and go. There are, you know, there, there are some great publishers out there. There's some bad publishers out there. There's some in-betweens. Don't fixate on the direct market. There are different ways to do this. There's the book market. You know, I know getting a literary agent is hard. I just got a literary, a literary agent a couple years ago. You know, it took me like uh, how many years? Uh, yeah. 12, 13. Yeah. Please, multiple income streams. Please do not invest all of your career in comics. Don't. Like, I'm not saying you can't do comics, that you can't work in the direct market, but, um, just, uh, know that there are other venues out. There's more than one outlet. Um, but through all of it, make sure that you take care of yourself. So that's one thing I think we as creatives do a horrible job of doing is taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Um, your personal health and your well-being mean a lot. Take care of it. 
you know. And like I know we all we all want to get published and we all want to be like the next big thing. And, you know, we all think that like our book is the best thing in the world and it would change this entire planet. <laughs> you know. <laughs> just you know, just like I said, start small and start to grow. Yeah. And like I said, learn and please learn learn that there's more than the than the direct market and you'll get further than you ever thought you could. Very good. Sean Pryor, thank you very much for coming to talk to us on the Handsome Genius Club today. One of the things that I've really taken umbrage with in the past couple of weeks uh, surrounding this whole situation is the two-question interview that Rich Johnston of Bleeding Cool did with Brian Seaton, the president, the owner of Action Lab. Uh he asked Brian two questions. I'm sure this was done via email. He asked Brian two questions and there was no follow up, no pushback. And one of the things that, that Brian said, uh, was he, he said that, and I'll quote, the president of Action Lab, Sean Pryor, resigned around this time as well. This, unfortunately, left no one steering the ship, so to speak. Brian had gone into semi-retirement at the time. He had taken a medical leave. He had he, he had personal health issues. And this is true. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel for Brian. But as we've just learned, Sean Pryor had health issues of his own talking about prior leaving the com uh, the company in this interview feels to me like scapegoating and i'm just i'm just not having it um you know I, sean did his best for action lab on for two different occasions two different stints with the company and to uh, to try and make Sean um, a reason that all of this mess with creators' rights and payments and printing and shipping and on you know not being on time and creators getting no information from the company. Um. To try and pin that on Sean leaving for his own health while saying that Brian left for his health is bullshit. Why is one man's health, um, why is one man's medical leave acceptable and the other's isn't? Anyways, let's move on. Hey, my name is Jeremy Whitley. I am the writer and creator of Princess and Raven the Pirate Princess at Action Lab, as well as a whole bunch of other comics other places. Man, as far as the status of Action Lab right now, it's been... It's always been difficult because I think a lot of us came into this being creators and, and not really knowing the publishing side of things and having struggled with self-publishing, hoping to have, you know, a, a place where we could go that we could pool our resources and, and make stuff work for us in a way that it, you know, hadn't when we were just creators. Um, I, I think there was a time where Action Lab did that. I unfortunately think that the last year has certainly not been that. I mean, it's 
there's been a lot of issues for us with getting paid, my artists getting paid for work in the past, uh, well before this last year. But then this last year, um, I mean, in, in early 2020, uh, Action Lab completely shut down because of COVID and didn't tell any of their creators, didn't tell us any of what was happening. I only found out much later when I managed to get a hold of people because I had, you know, people's personal contact information going back to long late that's been with Action Lab for so long. Um, and then, you know, we, we found out that they came back. They made a big deal about coming back and coming back for about a month before they went completely off the grid again. Have been for pretty much all of 2021. Um, I know both myself and a lot of other creators out there have not seen, uh, you know, those of us that do make a profit, which is, as far as I know, not most of the creators. But those of us who do make a profit haven't even seen numbers, paperwork since quarter three of 2020. So it's been a full year since, you know, <laughs> all of us that do get paid off of the sales of our, our work has even known whether we're supposed to get paid, have even known what our numbers are. You make a very good point in that you and uh, your book, Princeless, and and uh, 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 Raven uh, as well. Your spinoffs. You're one of the few people that I have encountered in uh, eight years who have made a profit from working with Action Lab. You are that is a very very uh, small community of creators. Uh, I, you know, Princeless, uh, Zombie Tramp, and I would be hard pressed to name another book. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. Now, you, you've been, you've been working with Action Lab since, I want to say, 2013? It's been longer than that, even. Yeah. I think, uh, 2011, oh. um, at least. How did you uh, end up uh, connecting with Action Lab originally? Uh, well, for me, it was uh, it was Dave Blunt, who at the time was the creative director, um, would later be president, and it's just long since left the company. Um, you know, we sat next to each other at a Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I think all the way back in, you know, uh, 2009 or 2010, we, you know, we had tables together. We had to hear each other's pitches all day, every day, <laughs> for mm-hmm. a few days. And, um, you know, we, we got to know kind of what each other were about. And, uh, you know, it just so happens that same convention where I actually Lab was born, you know, this group of creators that had, you know, were having a miserable convention like I was, couldn't sell their book. Um, you know, I knew they all had stuff that was, was worth selling. Um, you know, discussed putting together their resources, pooling the stuff they're good at, and, you know, going out there and then forming the company to find a way to make it all work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple months after, after, uh, after HeroCon, Dave contacted me and said, you know, 
we're looking for, you know, the book to sign to this. Um, you know, I really like the pitch on this thing. Uh, see if we can hook you up with somebody and, um, get this going. And it ended up becoming the first sort of ongoing series that, uh, Maxima produces or produces. Considering how far back you go to almost the beginning, it's, you know, like Captain America becomes an Avenger in issue four. Uh, wh- where did you first realize that something was going wrong with the company? Or where did something first go wrong between you and the company? I don't know. It's, it's so hard to think. Because I feel like there's a point going in where kind of none of us knew what we were doing. And we were figuring it out as we went, right? Like where we were figuring out, like, all right, this is how we get books through Diamond. This is how we get stuff to come out digitally on Comicsology. This is how we do this. So it's just sort of gaining a little bit of ground here, gaining a little bit of ground there. And uh, I think that the first big problems for me were once we started producing Princess and Raven regularly. Um, you know, we were we were making these books, and I was doing my best to promote them um, because there's, you know, there there wasn't a lot of support originally from from Action Lab as far as promoting anything. Um, so, like, I was getting out there and talking about them. And that was the way people were finding them, and then I would tell people when and where to buy them, and it would not come out at the time that Action Lab had said they would. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that's been on and off for, you know, the last several years, four or five at least, where, you know, the dates would be wrong. Um, and then, you know, I've heard from other creators where that happens and then they find out that their book didn't sell the numbers they wanted to for, for Axelon to publish it physically and they had moved it to a digital-only book and in some cases never even let the creators know. Uh, yeah, I'm one of those cases. On books never came. I, I am one of those cases, which is why uh, there the last print, uh, the last print issue of the first hero I I, I did with Action Lab was uh, volume three, number one, and uh, none of the rest of those issues came out through Action Lab. I I ended up doing it myself as a trade paperback. You know, Action Lab has had it. A number of, of different issues throughout, just like any publisher has, but I think the biggest disappointment for me has always been communication. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that's what you're describing is that they, they didn't type it when your book was coming out or that it wasn't coming out. And then, like, that's the same problem that we're seeing right now with, like, you know, new creators not knowing when their books are coming out and also not knowing that Action Lab was closed for an entire year. What's your situation with Action Lab right now? Are you still uh, producing books with them? Are you going to be producing anything new with them? Are you uh, are you looking to separate yourself from them? What what what's going on with Jeremy Whitley's relationship with Action Lab? Um, I honestly don't know. Um, I I think there's some discussions that need to be had. Um, I think. Right now, the the biggest problem is that you know we have contracts to fulfill, um, and some of those contracts make it pretty difficult to leave Action Lab with a project. Um, 
you know, unfortunately, Princess has, has done well, so they have, <laughs> unlike some books, an, an interest in keeping it there. Um, so, you know, we, we would like to go other places. I've not made a secret of that, but, uh, I, I don't know what the probability of, of doing something like that even is. Mm-hmm. And you said that, uh, your last, uh, the last volume that you put out for them is still, your collaborators are still unpaid. Uh, well, the, the Raven the Pirate Princess crew has been paid for the work they did. That happened, uh, late last year, early this year. Um, okay. Uh, you know, about a year after the book was finished. Uh, they were finally paid. Um, on the other hand, my myself and um, Emily, who's the other creator on Princess, we still haven't seen uh, revenue from the books that have been sold in a year. So mm. we have no idea what has been sold and have not been paid for it. What are you doing to resolve that situation? Have you spoken to them uh, at all? Have have they been responsive at all? I have spoken with them. Um, usually I am assured that things are getting handled. Um, I I don't know exactly where things stand right now, but I've been assured that we will. You know, we're on this, uh, at some point um, in the near future. But, you know, especially right now, uh, there's so much, they're, they're dealing pretty heavily with, uh, you know, folks who have, whose <laughs> books have never been published, who've never seen anything, yeah. uh, and, you know, that's why I've been sort of been taking the back seat on it. I want to make sure that those folks, uh, get, get what they deserve before, uh, I, I take up a lot of air talking about a, a book that, you know, has done, we've done you know, nine volumes of it and nine volumes of spin off and you know, there's there's people who have never even seen issue one of their books that's already supposed to have been published last yeah. year sometime. Yeah. But at the at the end of the day, what would you ideally like to come out of uh your dealings with Action Lab at this point? How would you like all this resolved if 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 it's completely one-sided, you get to set the terms of uh, of any resolution. What is it that you want now? Um, honestly, my ideal would be able to would be for us to be able to take this book to somewhere that um, knows how to and, and wants to market it to our target audience, um, and to find a way to. I don't know, uh, make sure that things come out and that it's available to people that want to read it without supporting a company that, you know, continuing to give other creators and new creators issues. What do you think of the, the deal that they are, um, I, you know, normally I would say they are reportedly offering people, but I've been offered the deal myself. So there's no reportedly about it. The deal that's being offered to creators to uh, get back their rights, 
which involves buying out the existing physical stock that is sitting in a diamond warehouse somewhere. You know, it's hard to say exactly what people should do with that deal. I know at the very least I have heard, you know, reports of, of people being offered what's essentially um, wholesale price, but they would sell it to a retailer going to resell it. If if the question is just that Actimab wants to cover their cost, then it seems like they should be offering to at least sell those things to creators at cost rather than, you know, the profit they would be seeing from selling it to a store. Mm-hmm. Which cost is significantly less, especially on a large print run like the one being described. It feels like the only money coming into Action Lab right now might be people um, who are desperate enough to get their rights back that they're willing to buy that existing stock. Whereas I have personally said um, pulp it, just mulch it. And I unfortunately I, I would rather I would rather walk away from it than um, than cripple myself financially. Yeah, I mean and how long has it been since I mean, the last issue that they would have stock of there has come out. Uh, the first issue of Volume 3 came out in, um, I believe, the spring of 2016, uh, or summer 2016, after the Actionverse crossover. Yeah, so that's five years. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I can't assume that anybody out there is looking to buy a single issue the first issue of a comic that never had the rest of the volume printed. I think, you know, that was definitely the understanding that was, I think, promoted to us as creators when we signed off on contracts saying that thing, if things were not in print for two years, that the rights would be returned. Not that somebody would keep a bunch of things printed, not selling nor advertising in yeah. a warehouse somewhere for five years and claim that that gave them the rights to continue having the rights. Any final comment on all this, Meshigas? Uh, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm rooting for all the creators out there. Uh, I know nobody nobody gets this far into comics thinking they're going to get rich, but uh, they certainly don't go into comics hoping to get ripped off and not be able to, not be able to make the things they created because some company is just sitting on the right. I mean, best of luck to everybody yeah. involved in this. Because it's none, none of us are none of us are making anything from it, and it, it doesn't seem like Action Lab is either. So I can only I I don't know how I can attribute some of this to anything but fight at this point. Jeremy Whitley, thank you for coming on the Handsome Genius Club. Hopefully, we can get together again sometime uh, in the not-too-distant future and talk about much more pleasant things. I would love that. With Dan Mendoza making a deal to regain his full rights to Zombie Tramp, that basically leaves Princeless as the longest-running and most successful series at Action Lab. And as we've just heard, the creator of Princeless 
wants to take his book elsewhere. This is where I want to interject with my own story. I submitted the first hero to Action Lab back in, my God, 2013. And they accepted the book. Dave Dwanch fought for the book. I'll always be grateful to Dave Dwanch for what he did for me in his time with the company. But I, um, I did my book for Action Lab and I never made a penny. I never made a penny from Action Lab. The only money that I ever saw from the first hero is from hand selling the book myself at conventions. I'm actually going to read to you what I wrote on Twitter a few days ago and uh, see if I can't interject with some extra information. But here we go. I've spoken many times about Action Lab and the fact that my book, The First Hero, is stuck there. They overprinted it based on the pre-sales, and now there's more stock than I could possibly afford to buy from them and regain my rights. The Action Lab agreement preys on rookie creators who want to see their books in print, sold in the monthly catalog, distributed worldwide. A then-up-and-coming writer from D.C. told me that self-publishing wasn't publishing, quote-unquote, and when Action Lab offered me a deal, I jumped at it. I'm glad my story saw print, and I'm proud of the work my creative teams did, but I've never made a single solitary dime from Action Lab for my work. I attended conventions where the company didn't even bother bringing my books for me to sell. There was zero PR for the book besides my own. A situation that has been dealt with by almost every creator who's worked for Action Lab. As a matter of fact, here's something I will interject. Um... We did the action verse crossover, which came between my second and third volumes of the first hero. At the time, uh, we were trying to create a unified superhero universe, and everybody was talking about how we would make a splash with this. While we were working on the second volume, the president of the company said, who's going to be ready coming out of uh, action verse with, with their new book. And I, I leapt up, put my hand in the air. I said, you know, I, I'll be ready. I'll just, I'll roll my artist from the action verse issue straight into volume three of the book. And I had known that the sales on volume two were down from what I had hoped, what I had expected. I, um, I had a phone conversation with the publisher and with another, uh, another creator on the line. And my question was, what can we do to increase the sales for volume three? The response from the publisher verbatim was, I don't know. What can you do? And at that point, I should have, I should have pulled my book. 
I should have said, I'm not going to do volume three because it's obvious you're not going to help and it's going to tank. But, uh, you know, I had an artist working on it and I, I, I forged ahead hoping that we could do big things. And, uh, it went so badly that Diamond canceled the book after the first issue. Let me go back to what I wrote on Twitter. And when Diamond pulled the plug on volume three after the first issue, no one told me. I handed in the art for the second issue and it was sent to Comixology, but never to print. I wouldn't have known about the cancellation if I hadn't written to ask when my deadline for issue three was. There's currently a two-question interview on Bleeding Cool with the majority owner of the company. It's deflections and scapegoating and nonsense. If the company is quote-unquote financially strong, then Action Lab should give creators their rights back. Sell the creators as much of the warehoused overstock at cost or less cost. Not wholesale, cost, as they can reasonably afford and mulch the rest. Start Action Lab over with a clean slate, a clear conscience, and some well-needed karma in their pockets. And don't repeat the mistake of signing deals left and right in the hopes one of those books will overcome the lack of support the creators are getting from the company to become a breakout hit. That's not just an Action Lab thing. Ask me about Chapter House sometime. <laughs> we'll save that for another day. At the end of the day, I just want my rights back. I want my titles taken down from Comixology. And I want to plot a new course for my creation. I've asked Action Lab twice about my rights and was given a cock and bull story about a possible foreign rights deal for Actionverse. Even if you could prove to me that this foreign deal was being signed tomorrow morning, four full years after I was first told about it, I'd still just want to tear up my deal and have the rights to the first hero back. I have a Kickstarter coming soon for a new series called Chance for Survival, about a sheriff defending her small town after a monster apocalypse. I am self-publishing the series. I've learned that one of the keys to creating good comics is avoiding bad publishers. So, since I wrote that, um, or when I wrote that, I exchanged a couple of emails with the publisher. And um, I, I had been offered the buyout, the stock, wholesale deal previously. I, I wanted to clarify it, have it in writing. So um, now I have an email with, with that and with the assurance that I could continue with the first hero anywhere else I wanted. Self-publish, take it to another publisher, whatever I wanted to do. Uh, I just don't have the rights to volumes one and two. I can't reprint them. And... I mean, at this point, I don't know if I want to. Um, I'm thinking about a reboot. 
But to get my rights back, get the full rights for the book back, I was asked to buy the existing stock, which was, uh, which I have been told, uh, was, is 3,000, between volumes one and two, the trade paperbacks, 3,046 copies. That's an insane number. That is huge overprinting of the book, and it's sickening. At $15 American a copy, paying 40 cents on the dollar would mean buying those books for $6 each. Books that I don't want, books that I can't store, books that I don't want to sell. I do not like the way they are produced. And we'll talk about that in the next segment with John Paris. At six bucks each, that's over $18,000 American that I would be paying. So add on to that, uh, fees from Diamond and, uh, shipping, which would be in the, the thousands and then storage on my side of the border. Uh, even until I could find a safe way to pulp them or burn them. It would be over $20,000 American easy. And then I'd have to deal with the conversion because I'm in Canada. Uh, it's not going to happen. And I wrote back to say it wasn't going to happen. There's more to this that I won't reveal in this podcast. Um, let's just say that. Let's just say that I know. I know what the amount should be. Or I have a reasonable facsimile of what the amount should be. But that's down to, uh, the reason it's, it's a guess. <laughs> it's a well informed guess, but it's a guess is because Action Lab hasn't sent a quarterly report my way in a year and a half. It's probably a breach of contract there. Um, I'm, I have resigned myself to walking away from the character Jake Roth and to starting over again and doing it better. Um, I told Action Lab, pulse, pump, pulse, excuse me, I'm trying to say two words at once, to pulp those books, shred them, mulch them. Um, in response, I was told, you know, in response to saying no to paying 18 grand, I was told maybe I should start a Kickstarter for it. That's fucked. That's just fucked. There's no other word for it. Uh, I'm not going to sacrifice the future of the books I do by basically starting a GoFundMe to pay ransom for books I don't want. So we'll forge ahead with other work, other creations, and a new start for the first hero. I'm not the only person that's in that boat. I am John Perez. Um, I am a comic book writer. I have uh, worked on several independent uh, comic books. The one that I have
have at Action Lab is called Archon. The full title is Archon Battle of the Dragon. Currently, uh, like many creators, I have grievances with Action Lab. We are in advanced talks about me possibly either buying back the rights or settling in some particular fashion, but it is an ongoing discussion with Action Lab. So, John, tell me, how did you end up signing with Action Lab uh, initially? So, I actually um, completed the first issue on my own. I independently funded it with credit cards and cash and, and stuff of that nature. And it was, uh, I finished it and I had it done with the intent that I was going to give a full issue, submit a full issue to a publisher. I sent it to several publishers, um, unsolicited, uh, of submission. And it came down to about three, but Action Lab was the one that approached me and they had on paper a very generous offer where it, it, it was a, probably the best split where the split was 60 40 then yeah we get uh we get trade uh it's distributed and for all intents and purposes we on paper it looked like we would control um all the rights we would they can't move forward with ancillary television rights or anything of that nature it seemed like a good deal and the person i was dealing with at the time was dave dewanch uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but oh, yeah, um, I know Dave. he seems yeah. like a he seemed like a really uh nice person and I think I was under the mistaken kind of perception that Dave was sort of the face of the company. Like mm-hmm. he, he represented the spirit of creatives there. But it was this other person whom I really didn't know other than he was always CC'd on email called Brian Seaton. And um I I initially, when I started interacting with Brian during the contract negotiation, that's when I started really, really getting cold feet. Um, and I reached out to industry professionals um, and a family friend, uh, a DC inker, um, and they kind of warned me not to sign because they said their new publisher, the few people who have kind of worked with them said their contracts are really not great. And at the time, the, the main thing was, you know, you're, if you sign with a publisher, you're not going to make any money. It's all about that ancillary TV rights. And do they have a professional track record in, in getting stuff made? And I was like, I don't really know or care. Um, so, but ultimately, you know, the pressure of, uh, being published for the first time, uh, pushed me to sign with, uh, Action Lab and, it has been an interesting roller coaster from there, to say the least. Mm-hmm. When did you first realize that there was something wrong in your dealings with Action Lab? Well, as I mentioned before, when I was going back and forth with them, the first kind of, even in contract negotiations, the first thing my uh, family's uh, attorney who, who wasn't specialized in this stuff, but she gave me the rundown anyway. Um, the first thing she said is, is make sure you get digital rights taken out of, uh, publication. Um, that you, you can only be it. It only counts as publication if there's physical stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they could essentially do, do essentially what they're doing now. 
can retain the rights through just having it on Comixology alone, which is one of those things I was good enough to get that out of my contract, but I know many, many, pretty much everyone I've, I've uh, talked to has not gotten that out of their uh, contract, so they are still technically bound by um, just having a Comixology, the book of Comixology, that that counts as publication. So that was the first thing that creeped me out, and I thought I, but I, I just took it as, you know, maybe it's just an oversight on their part, and, and, and a, the second thing that, that gave me pause was, um, and I'm sure maybe you're familiar with it, that there is no editorial. Um, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. There, there's no, I, I pretty much ex- expected, you know, the second I, I start dealing with them, they're going to give me notes, they're going to try and, um, you know, conform the look uh, to, to be similar to all their other uh, books, which I know many people hate that, but I was actually kind of welcoming uh, a little bit of oversight because this was, for all intents and purposes, my first book, and, and I, I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I hope it doesn't show, but like you know, that that was essentially it. I had yeah. like you know my my brother's friend doing editorial, my uh, my middle school uh, friend doing lettering, <laughs> and my college friend doing uh, coloring. Uh, so yeah, we we could have used some uh, editorial help to say the least. And again, it goes back to Dave. I kind of expected he was going to be the one to sort of step in for that, but it seemed like um, that he took kind of a backseat after we got signed, and no one else really stepped into that role. So it was all pretty much me. It, um, once we turned in the files, that's pretty much all. Uh, uh, we ever heard about it, but yeah. you know, it, it would get progressively worse from there. Archon was a, a, a five issue series, five issue story arc. How much of your own money did you end up sinking into this to produce those five issues? Okay, well, I think I've mentioned this before, but I'll, I'll, I personally, 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 the first issue, like I said, I put in about. Five to six thousand dollars on credit cards. Uh, I even borrowed two thousand from my older brother to to give all the artists and inkers that and their compensation for the first issue before we even signed with Action Lab because you know a, for all intents and purposes we didn't know that we were going to uh, even be published at, or continue past that first issue. For, so for that, I took the hit. It was about five to six thousand dollars, and I was fine with that. Also, with interest rates, all those cards ballooned up to like about $10,000. So personally, that's how much I put into it. Mm-hmm. But then after issue two, we were under the assumption that, okay, well, we'll recoup costs. Uh, well, I will personally recoup costs on the first issue through sales. And then after that, we will do what a lot of people do, where they do it on spec. And um, they just split royalty to kind of make their compensation. What I didn't really understand at the time was just how low a footprint um, uh, Action Lab had in the marketplace. Because I would see their books, actually. It was actually quite odd. I was, they started popping up everywhere in um, 2014 and 15. I, I would see them in every store, so I kind of assumed that, well, they must be modest sellers. Um, so I, I, I got to imagine we would be able to make our money back. So after that, as far as personal investment, um, I didn't put in too much more. So I would say my my hole is probably anywhere between 
five to six thousand dollars and then inflated with interest on credit cards about ten thousand. But if you wanted to talk about everyone else's time and money afterwards, because we all worked on SPAC, mm-hmm. um, page rates not paid, um, colorists not paid, inkers not paid, letters not paid, then it's absorbent. It, it, you know, it, it, it could easily be, I, I, if I did a calculation, I could give you a good figure, but it, it's easily anywhere between 25 to 30, because we're talking about four issues that were not paid for at all. Right. What's your goal right now as far as dealing with Ashton Lab, and what have you done to try and resolve the situation with them? Well, initially after, you know, after it released and, and as per usual, um, stuff kind of went awry. They, they screwed up release date. They, um, they kind of just sat on it. They never really promoted it. You know, we'd go to conventions and the book wouldn't even be on their shelf. I started getting disheartened and quite honestly for after it finished in 2016, so it ran from fall of, um, of, uh, 2015 and then came out in 2000, the trade came out in 2016, I pretty much just became apathetic and just walked away and left it to be. It wasn't until all this other stuff happened with all the other creators coming out that I really thought we had a chance to, one, recoup our loss by um, getting the rights to the book back, and two, Possibly, you know, reprinting it um, because uh, there's a whole host of issues why I just don't even like um, selling or giving away the trade paperback. Yeah. It, there, for lack of, no, I'm not going to even be uh, 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 polite. There are shitty trade paperbacks. <laughs> yes, they are. They are. are. They are awful. For, uh, well, hold on. Let me interject. Uh, apologies. Let me, yeah, let, yeah, let me interject. Let me interject. For those of you who don't know what Action Lab used to do, I don't know if they still do, uh, but what Action Lab used to do is they would overprint single issues by 2,000 copies. They would take the single issues and they would bind them together with a new cover to make their trade paperbacks. So what you were getting is, and I have one, I am holding, uh, I'm holding one right now. You open the trade paperback cover, it's the cover of the first issue. And then the comic and all the ads, any of the editorial material, but, you know, the ads and then the back cover in between each in between each chapter of your book, there are, you know, three, four, five pages of ads and then the next cover. They're terrible. And I have been told that uh, retailers such as Barnes & Noble, when approached about the trade paperbacks, said no to them based entirely, entirely on how they were constructed. Yeah, so they're they're horrible books. Yeah. Um, I uh, <laughs> they're they're awful. Um, I don't even like them. Um, my goal would honestly be to um, just get the rights back, and that way I could maybe turn to 
But unfortunately, to, to kind of go back to your point that you just brought up, the overprinting part of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, Archon sold modestly well. Uh, we, there are no uh, single issues left in existence. Um, but because of their business dealings in, in, in order to kind of save costs, not only do they bind and 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 print the single issues at the same time as the uh, traded um, issue pages, they overprint. And I be- I believe that number, the two thousand trade number, which um, is is a number I've heard over and over again, is directly tied into the discount they get for printing. Right. Um, so in order to save money and in order to get a discount, they print about 2,000 trades, which is absolute insanity. You shouldn't be printing trades if there's not orders for them, no matter how much of a discount, because all that does is it puts your company into debt and then it puts your creators into debt because that creates this unending cycle of stock that you're constantly trying to pay down. Um, because right now, and, and I, I hope I'm not jumping ahead, the offer that Action Lab is giving to most creators, because I, I think they've seen the social media backlash and kind of the writing on the wall, is they are willing to release all creators from their commitments, their contractual obligations, in exchange for buying back their stock mm-hmm. um, of, of Action Lab uh, books. Um, that that are tied to your series. Um, for some people, it's a mixture of just trade and single issues. For other people, it's trade, single issues, and variants. So they will not release the rights to any of our books until we buy their stock back. And then also, not <laughs> let me also add, buy the stock back on top of paying uh, the diamond fees, um, which uh, I'm not sure how many people know this. When uh, the publisher prints books, it sits in Diamond Warehouse and it accumulates racks over time. So on top of buying the stock back, they want us to also pay kind of the rack fees that have been occurring over the years. And then on top of that, we have to pay shipping and handling from, from Diamond Warehouse, which I think there's two of them, one's in the Midwest and one's in upstate New York. Yeah, one is uh, um, so one is for, in Mississippi and one is in Plattsburgh, New York. Because I, I reached out to one of my friends who's a, a, a publisher um, and he knows a lot of this, and he, and I just gave him like the number of stock that we had, and he basically straight out told me that's anywhere between eight hundred to a thousand um, two hundred dollars in just shipping fees alone. Wow! So I can imagine people who have like 3,000 trades or even more, where not only are they going to have to pay uh, Action Lab upwards of $18,000 to get out of that commitment, they're going to have to pay an additional three to four to get it shipped. So that's where I'm currently at with them. They gave me an offer, which it sounds like they've given most people um, to sell it back to us at a discount rate in exchange for terminating the contract and getting the rights back. Where I'm personally at with it, I'm kind of ambivalent. I don't really want the books back. <laughs> As I mentioned before, they're terrible trades. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't even want to resell them, even if I could get them back for, for free. Uh, I, I've been exploring. In fact, my, my first email to him was like, I would pay disposal fees. If all you're concerned about is getting these books out of your inventory, I will pay whatever fee to pulp these things. I want them away from existence um, in order. But it sounds like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, it, we haven't even touched on Action Labs accounting, but it sounds like they want to make a little bit of money um, as they're, you know, setting sail to whatever future endeavors they are. And they're passing that on to us. Because if it was a matter of just like, you know, pay for shipping to get these books out of our hands, I'd do that. That's like, what, 800, a thousand bucks just to get it out of their warehouse. I'd do that. Yeah. Um, but if I have to buy the books back, um, and pay all that, it, it's just not worth it. So, I'm reaching a kind of ambivalent point where I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty much ambivalent about it. Yeah. Uh, I know many others have much more vested interest in it. Um, so I can understand them wanting to get the rights to the books back. Um, right now, I'm just kind of waiting and seeing because it seems like a lot of, of uh, as they say, balls are in the air because they're juggling a lot of different creators and it seems like they're cutting their losses. Tom Rogers, uh, who did, uh, Harold pointed out that their site has, uh, Action Lab's official website has uh, mysteriously gone down for maintenance <laughs> as of recording this right now. So I feel the best solution for me would be just to walk away from this entirely without having to pay any financial obligations. Um, mm-hmm. Because as far as I'm concerned, I, I feel they breached their contract in, in multiple fronts. They didn't advertise it. They never really gave us um, good financial accounts. Um, uh, they, there's no record of sales, and that was the one that kind of um, freaked me out the most, and, and everyone says that's probably the most actionable offense, is, you know, our book ran from 2015 to 2016, and um, when I asked for those sales figures, they only gave me statements, and they said, you know, those figures we got rid of, and so did Diamond, because we're only legally um, supposed to hold on to them for three to five years. So um, <laughs> that's where it gets even more uh, weird. So I would say the best solution for me would be just, you know, I would be very happy to just walk away from this commitment, and they can do whatever the heck they want with that uh, inventory of books they can pulp it, or they could just sell it at a yard sale or donate it or whatever um, in exchange for the rights back. If they don't want to go that route, then I, I'm not really all that invested in it. I think um, what a lot of people are, are seeing is it seems like they're getting increasingly more sort of desperate in their negotiations with people. First, they offer them this discount, then they offer them more of a discount. So I don't even know what um, the value is of, of the books at all. So um, that's where I'm at. If they want to just release the rights for shipping and, and diamond fees, I'll be more than happy to pay that. But I don't feel like like dropping down all that, all that money just to buy back um, uh, about 1,633 trades that are Awful, and I would throw in the Pacific Ocean anyway. It's just a uh, sort of 
sort of curmudgeon of a place um, where I feel uh, most of us are pay, are playing chicken with with Action Labs, seeing to seeing who gives it first. I'm encouraged that so many are holding the line instead of just taking that deal, um, feeling that um, this is it. You know, I, if I don't do this, it's going to get worse. Um, from what I have heard expressed to me from other publishers and some attorney um, is, you know, it will eventually reach some conclusion. It has to because it just sounds like they have um, no leg to stand on anymore. Like the, the social media backlash uh, means that I hope it means that no creator is going to um, uh, collaborate with them again. <laughs> they also recently lost um, one of their big titles due to a similar uh, settlement. Yeah, <laughs> I actually believe it was uh, James who said um, it seems like their only income at this point is settling <laughs> uh, the rights dispute for <laughs> their previous <laughs> creator. <laughs> I'll just wait and see what happens. Yeah, If the company goes belly up and they're bankrupt, then maybe the rights would revert back to us. Maybe it'll go belly up and it's going to be an auction situation where I have to bid against um, uh, other like capital gains investors um, for pennies on the dollar. I guess that's what I'll see. I'm not going to be paying um, several thousand dollars to, to get a book back that I don't even want. Right. <laughs> it, it, as I, um, I was uh, speaking to my co-creator on this book, uh, Monica Natani, um, and she straight up told me, you know, it has sentimental value to me, um, but if it's a lucrative price to get it back, then forget about it. We, we could literally put that time and energy and resources into original stuff, which is what I've been doing these past five years. I've been moving on to better and greater things and making good connections with more positive and less toxic people. And I think that's uh, hopefully what all of us um, who suffered the change of this company can get. John Perez, thank you very much for joining us on the Handsome Genius Club today. Well, I hope everything works out for you and for me and for all the creators involved in this mess. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I really hope it works out for you, Anthony. I, 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 you know, it, it, is, it is a steep hill to climb, but I don't think... I think the social media backlash as of late has, has made it seem a lot more achievable. Yeah. So that's my hope for all of us. What's next for Action Lab? How long can Action Lab survive? If they're making deals with people just to make some small bit of profit on books that they can't sell from creators who don't want to work with them anymore, how long can the company actually continue to exist? And if it stops existing at that point... Don't the rights return to us anyways? And what of these creators? I personally know people who have been chased out of the industry, lost their will to create, lost their will to follow their lifelong dream of creating comics. At least one because of their dealings with Action Lab. There's also a story that has been making its way around about 
about a Scottish creator who had a deal with Action Lab. Uh, the book did not come out on time, despite all the PR work that he had been doing around the UK and who apparently in despair uh, ended his life, jumped off a bridge. I don't want to pin that on Action Lab. That's cruel. But the, the man's story, as we have all been told, points to exactly that. And that is, I wasn't even going to bring that up in this episode, but that's sad and depressing, and it has to be, I think it has to be mentioned. How long can Action Lab carry on? In my own segment, I said that the best thing they could do is just start returning rights to people, not holding their books ransom, just return the rights to people. And move on. And for those creators who are left wanting a deal, wanting to create, trying to figure out what is next for them, I I want you to look at comics with open eyes. And that's where our final segment comes from. Hey, this is uh, Mike Kingston, the uh, writer and creator of Headlock and a staunch advocate of self-publishing, probably somewhat for reasons that uh, you've heard on this podcast, <laughs> not uh, specific to the company that's being mentioned. <laughs> Very diplomatic, my friend. Yes, yes, I'm <laughs> nothing if not diplomatic. Yeah, you've been paying attention to this whole firestorm that's reignited around action lab and we've talked about it uh off off the air of course and i'm just wondering what your take on what is going on is ah, that was a poorly framed sentence but just, i mean we're we talking about uh action lab in specific or just uh Ac- well action lab in yeah. specific we'll talk about self-publishing in a sec but th- this the, the firestorm that's going on around action lab again I just think, uh, I mean, honestly, I think this is the type of thing that, that happens with all these small publishers. I think people just, they get, uh, they get ahead of themselves and they make poor decisions and there's not a lot of margins in comics and then probably even less so in a pandemic. And I mean, I don't think, I think people get into this with the best of intentions and I think it gets away from you pretty quick and it can spiral out of control and now, you know. I don't think uh, some of the things I've heard, obviously I don't, you know, I'm not in the room or haven't read any emails or whatever. I mean, some stuff just sounds like, you know, to a certain extent they need to kind of just let go and take a hit on some stuff. But I mean, just to, just to maintain any kind of goodwill at this point. But, uh, so when you say, when when you say let go, you're talking about, I'm going to, I'm going to put words in your mouth. You tell me if they're right. You're saying that they should uh, be returning rights to the creators? Yes. Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. I mean, I, you know, especially if you're at a point where, you know what I mean? Like, people aren't going to, you know what I mean? People aren't going to publish more stuff. You're sitting on stuff that you can't sell. I mean, the create. I mean, you're, I mean, if somebody's already not doing marketing, 
yeah. for a book, and then the creators certainly aren't going to push it. All you're, I mean, at that point, all you're doing is is costing yourself warehouse space. You have been self-publishing Headlocked for I want to say eight years. Uh, ten now. Ten. Ten years. And uh, I'm sure you've had thoughts of. Uh, or possibly even talks with publishers about bringing headlock to them, but, uh, yet you persist as a self-publisher. And, um, do you have an opinion for new creators who might be looking to, uh, to find a publisher or any of the creators from, uh, from Action Lab who are currently crying foul? I just think, I mean, <clears throat> somebody had put it best on Twitter that, you know, you sort of fetishize the desire to be published, but I think self-publishing, or I think publishing on a smaller level in comics, I, I think every small publisher, I don't think anybody attempt, desires to be a large-scale small publisher. Mm. I think everybody self-publishes because they want to get their stuff out into the world, and then I think it... It spirals from there. You start picking up some other books, then you think it's gonna, you're gonna make some money, and then, you know, I mean, I've seen a ton of great stuff. I mean, there was a, when I started, there was a company called Silent Devil, and I don't know any about any of their business practices, but they made some cool books. Um, and I don't, you know, I mean, I don't know the, the nuts and bolts of what happened to it, but I mean, there's a lot of people that make cool books, but I mean, just the realities of what the comic book industry is, I mean, it's, I don't know. You know what I mean? How many, I mean, I guess the question would be how many small, small publishers or, you know, small indie books have ever made it. Right. To be something bigger. Like, I mean, what are the odds? So, you know what I mean? Like you see it in, you see it in wrestling all the time with people like, Oh, I'm a sponsored athlete. You're not a sponsored athlete. If all you have is a discount code, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and you're not a, I, you're not a, you're not a, published author if you're paying to produce a book or you know what i mean not getting paid to produce or not getting paid to produce a book if you're producing it for free you're paying out of your own pocket you're doing all the marketing all you're doing is borrowing someone's diamond code yeah and unfortunately that's what a lot of it is mm -hmm. and i also i mean I, I understand the realities of it from from every side i mean i just nobody ever has a frank discussion about what comics is so many people think like, oh man, you know, I, when I remember when I, my first headlock book came out, like somebody in all sincerity said, oh, you're going to be making that Spider-Man money. <laughs> like, no, that's oh, not, that's not how this works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, nobody's making, you know, I mean, some people are making money in comics, but they're making money in comics, writing established characters that have been around for 70 years. But even then they probably still don't have insurance. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's not, you know, <sighs> But there's this sort of myth, and I think a lot of that's a lot of that's just been perpetuated by silence. But you know what I mean? Like, there isn't the money in comics that people think it is, and it's not just put it on the shelf and it's going to blow up. Because you know what I mean? Like, there's so many comics you don't ever hear about. Yeah. You know what I mean? You hear about Marvel and DC. You go to the store and you see maybe fifty, you know, comic store. You see maybe fifty, sixty new comics on the shelf, and you think, oh, you know what I mean? In a out of sixty comics, I mean. You know, I can make my comic work, but you don't realize that there's another, you know, 200 comics that probably aren't on the shelf that came out that week. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of content out there and I just don't think people know because that's not their experience. I mean, it, 
I learned all these things the hard way, just thinking like, oh yeah. I mean, and then, I mean, so many, you know, and you almost can't put it on the retailers. I mean, it's, there's so many, uh, there's, there's so many, there's so much product and so many retailers have been burned by independent publishers, self publishers, whatever. So I, I don't know. To me right now, it, it really depends on what you want. If you want to make a splash in the direct market, I mean, you can try. It's, uh, you know, I mean, you can also try pushing water uphill, but I think if you, if you believe in your product, if you believe in your property, like if you want to write like a hundred things, like, yeah, just write it and put it out into the ether and see what happens. You know what I mean? You'll have something for your table and that's fine. You're not going to make any money. The property's not probably not going to advance, but you know, you've got a, a book, you know, you've got something to pad your resume for when you try to get a job at Marvel and DC. Right. If you're writing a property that you absolutely believe in with your heart and your soul, no one is going to care about it more than you. You're not going to, you know what I mean? Unless you're some sort of, you know, professional grade artist, you're not, you know, you're not going to get it picked up at Image. You're not going to get it picked up at Dark Horse or Marvel or DC without some kind of a name. So you got to make your own name. Yeah. And to do that, you know what I mean? You really, I mean, ultimately you really got to publish it yourself. And this sort of fetish, fetishization, I guess, of having somebody else's logo on your corner and being like, oh, I'm part of this. You know what I mean? It, it all kind of plays into the, it all kind of plays into the myth or the, you know what I mean? It perpetuates all this stuff that you got to have somebody. I, uh, you know, I, I self-published Headlock because I had to, because nobody would touch wrestling comics. Obviously it's a different world right now. Wrestling comics are, announced every other day it seems but you know if, I, if somebody had picked me up you know when i thought i needed a publisher all those years ago 10 years ago if somebody picks me up i mean headlocks in stores and it's out of stores and i'm done with it yeah. you know what i mean like but instead i built a sustainable brand that's lasted over 10 years we've got you know we're in the process of working on chapters 21 to 25 i mean i don't know of too many wrestling comics that have that sort of longevity and then we have, uh, you know, we've done like 40 different short stories with different professional wrestlers, you know. But I mean, everything that sucks about the direct market is what forced me to make Headlock better. Like this, you know, if I'm sitting here right now, you know, 10 years ago, like this isn't what I expected this would be. But it's so much, it's so much better for me and for the property than it would be to do it the other way. Hmm. So... I, I remember uh, early on in my tenure with Action Lab, there was uh, a problem with something, and uh, and my temper flared, as it does at a, a certain time. And I remember closing out the conversation by saying, um, I need you guys to be better at this than me. And if you're not, then what the fuck do I need you for? And, and that's it. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I I I've said before. I probably said at the beginning of this episode. I haven't taped the beginning yet. <laughs> is <laughs> is the only money that I have made off of the first hero uh, came from me hand selling it at conventions. So I uh, and I've and never thing, you know I've like, never seen I've never even seen. What a uh, what an action lab check looks like, and that's uh, and that's I mean, unfortunately, I think that's what happens with everybody. I mean, 
you know, when I started, like, you know, we tried digital, you know, a couple of different digital outlets. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I've got all these people messaging me telling you that, you know, they're reading Headlock on, you know, different digital outlets. And then, I mean, I think in the grand total of 10 years, I think I've made $42 on digital, uh, digital publishing wow. ventures out, you know, like outside digital publishing ventures. But off of my website, you know what I mean? I sell, I sell PDFs of my trades from, you know, they're, I sell them for $7.50 when they come out. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I've made, you know, hundreds, you know, probably at this point, I've definitely made into, you know, four, four, you know, into the four figures in digital publishing. And, it, but I mean, nobody else is, you know, nobody yeah. else is doing that, like on an indie level, you know, but you think you, you think you need to be on comiXology or you think you need to be, on, you know, you think you need to be on store shelves, but you just, sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, you just, you need to just be on your own yeah. and have a way to, you know, direct people to, to buy stuff from you. And then you can, you know, you can have a bigger percentage of it. Like that was, you know what I mean? Like long-term, like, you know, you think you need to be in comic book stores, but like, you know, and why, at this point, you know what I mean? And people, and they, you know, diamond, still tries to get me to publish headlock but i'm like at this point why would i why would i take 30 percent off my cover price when i've done this work for 10 years mm-hmm. so i mean i don't know it's uh it's just a lot of people just don't understand the realities of what comics is and what it can you know what i mean like just the, the direct market and so many people only consider comics to be the direct market yeah and like the direct market isn't even the biggest seller of comics. I mean, young adult comics sell, I mean, way more. I mean, Scholastic is the biggest seller of comics. Forget Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so, but we don't even have those conversations. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, because of the, the sort of, you know, the idea that only superhero comics are comics and whatever, but yeah. I, I don't know. Like, if you want to, the only thing that matters is you make the thing that you want to make and you make the thing how you want to make it. And then you find an audience. I mean, in this day and age, there's, it's, it's never been easier. You have a direct line to your audience through, you know, uh, you can build your own storefront. You can have, you know, your own, and it's work. It's definitely work. I mean, half of my, you know, I mean, I could put out a hundred more, you know, I probably could have put out 20 chapter or 20 headlock trades if I didn't have to do all this marketing. But none of my books were sold. I mean, it's, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like it has nothing to do with quality. You could have the script to Watchmen in your, in your briefcase and nobody would touch it. You know what I mean? It's, it's just a, you know, I mean, like the, the, the next Watchmen. I mean, obviously not the, the script to the old Watchmen because that would be weird. <laughs> um, you can find a really ignorant, uh, but, but that's, but also that's the thing too. You know what I mean? Like, Sometimes, you know, like if I had an idea for The Walking Dead and took it to Image a month before Robert Kirkman, they probably wouldn't publish mine. I mean, some of it's social. Some of it is, you know what I mean? Comic book publishers have to know you and they learn who you are by you building, you know, you building up, you have to build up your own name. No one's going to do it for you. Yeah. And that's, that's the sort of the, the dirty, like, you know, I got into comics expecting to just be a writer. And I never understood it. Like, you know, when I first was walking around with, uh, 
with a, you know, with my business plan and my marketing plan and my scripts and my pitches for Headlock, I'd go to publishers and they'd be like, well, where's your artist? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm a writer. And they're like, yeah, but you got to have art. I'm like, well, I'm a comic book writer and you are a comic book publisher. Why am I the one supplying the art here? <laughs> this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like none of that makes sense. There's nothing intuitive about it. Yeah. So like you have to make a finished comic before anybody will ever hire you to write anything. Like you ain't touching Batman until you become a success on your own. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever, you know, I remember, I don't even remember who said it, but somebody said, if you want to be successful or if you want a job uh, in comics, you have to become popular in anything else, which is a weird thing, but it, it does, you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, brand awareness or, yeah. you know, bringing your own audience or something. But I mean, you have to make your own name and nobody in comics is going to make a name for you because there's a million writers. You know what I mean? There's a million people looking for work and they're, you know, between veterans and shit, like, you know, you're Sure, Peter. You know Peter David's out there still churning out work and Dan Slott and Mark Wade, and then you know you got the the, the current guys. And there's a whole you know slew of guys behind you that that want to do it too. So like nobody needs you, and that's the thing. That's you know yeah. I've had so many people come up to my table and just drop their pitch in front of me or drop their you know Batman versus Velociraptor comic like it's you know. Like it's the greatest thing ever in the history of the world. And is nobody needs you to make your comic. The only person who needs to make your comic is you. Like you have that story that you need to get out. So you need to make it and you need to make it and you need to find your audience. You need to figure out where those people are and bring it to them. You know, like the direct market isn't a place for headlock. It's not like I said, headlock is a straight drama. There's no genre elements to it. It's just a straight drama. And that's not something that, you know, the direct market people are superhero fantasy horror people. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not the, it's not the place for it, but there is a place for it as evidenced by the fact that I've been doing it for 10 years. So I don't know. I always just think that, uh, that people need to, you just gotta, you gotta find your, you gotta find your way on your own. And most of the time people who say they can help you can't help you. Yeah. I mean, and, and I and I say this primarily with writers. I mean, if you're a professional grade artist and you can, you know, work and you hit your deadlines, I mean, you'll have a job tomorrow drawn in Superman. I mean, that's just that's just what comics. I mean, that's it. I mean, but primarily, this is a an issue with writers more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you believe in your project, don't give up your rights. I mean particularly just use somebody else's diamond account that doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. It's like you got to go to market with your corn and you're going to give up your half of your, half of your bounty to some other dudes. You can use his mule that doesn't have any legs. (laughs) I mean, you still ain't making it to the market, you know? Yeah. Michael Kingston. Thank you very much for joining us on the handsome genius club. Uh, again today. Hey, you know, I, uh, I'm always down to, you know, avoid uh, doing work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, kids, that's that's going to wrap it up for today's show. Thank you to Sean Pryor, to Jeremy Whitley, to John Perez, and to Michael Kingston, all for agreeing to come on the show and uh, talk to us today. And if this was your first time listening to the Handsome Genius Club, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you'll come back 
to uh, listen to more, subscribe. You should subscribe via whatever podcast delivery system you usually use. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We uh, syndicate to all of those. Or you can just visit handsomegeniusclub.com and uh Usually, when we're on schedule, Monday episodes and Thursday episodes, new episodes each week. Uh, we also have a Friday episode that is exclusive to my Patreon. Patreon.com slash my name is Kingdom. You can find me on all social media at my name is Kingdom. That is uh, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, and of course, the aforementioned and very important Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, you can support me uh, making these podcasts, making videos, uh, my comic strips, everything for as little as 2 bucks a month. As I said, patreon.com slash my name is kingdom. All right. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Um, probably, uh, probably handle some feedback from this episode. Uh, I think that uh, pro wrestler uh, Rex Atkins is going to join us. We've been talking about doing it for a while, uh, doing an episode. So uh, try and get Rex hooked up for uh, Thursday. Oh, and I should mention that the complete unedited, barely edited <laughs> uh, interviews from uh, this episode of the podcast uh, are going to be made available on the Patreon. So if you'd like to hear Sean Pryor talk more about how Action Lab began, uh, his time as president, um, the work that he's doing now as a writer, if you want to hear more from Jeremy and Kingston and John Perez, it's all going to be there uh, as exclusive audio on, on Patreon. <sighs> All right, time to put this episode to bed. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, please take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Find some good trouble to get into. Your Uncle Kingdom loves you. Bye. <laughs>